Welcome to today's edition of Beat to the Fire, where we're always challenging the status quo. For more cutting-edge commentary, go to feettothefire.org. That is feet, the number two, thefire.org. And now your host. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Feet to the Fire, the new voice of conservative dissent. This is your host, Sergio Fassa. We here at Feet to the Fire hope that you had a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday weekend. We took an extended holiday weekend break here, but we are back, and the left continues its unending assault on everything wonderful and traditional and true, and right, and moral, and American. And as you probably have heard, one of the first things that the lame duck Senate has tried to do is solidify federally, by federal statute, homosexual marriage all across the fruited plain in defiance of the sentiments, the voting, and the laws of many a state in the Union. What I want to mention today and draw attention to is the fact that the main purpose of the left is to get us to shut up. And I am going to read this article I've been planning on reading. I mentioned it last week, and it has much less to do with the recent midterm elections, even though that's the that's the That's the reason the article was written. It was an opportunity for this article to be written. But the point of the article is what I want to bring out on how we should, we we cannot back down. We can't accept these narratives that are spun out all the time and then be quiet and then retreat. So, So here's the point I'm trying to make. The purpose of the left is to silence us, to cause us to retreat and to shut our mouths and be quiet. And the midterm election results were used as a pretense for doing that. If you remember, I said last week, here's the article by David Harsanyi. Contra conventional wisdom, there is little evidence abortion abortion hurt Republicans. There's little evidence abortion hurt Republicans. Speaking about the recent midterm elections. And again, my focus is not the midterm elections. My focus is on the fact that they will use any pretense, any narrative that they can on the left, to get us to retreat and be quiet. And I want to tell the story of Martin Luther, because this has always been the agenda of the side of evil. This is Satan's tactic. This is the tactic of the liberal left. Always has been. If only we would what? Shut up. They just want us to shut up and be quiet, because there is Power in speech, not the way these modern speech act theorists talk about the power of positive speech. I don't mean that. I mean, there is is power in speaking the truth because it disarms evil and deconstructs evil's defenses. Truth tears down strongholds. So we have this constant beating drum to shut up. And you know what I mean. They, They always turn our speech into hate speech, Truth deniers, science deniers. Let me give you examples. If you say MAGA or that you support Trump 
What are you now? What does the left say? You're a domestic terrorist. You can't say that. You can't say you're a MAGA supporter. You can't say you're a Trump supporter. Close your mouth because you're, you're a domestic terrorist, according to Joe Biden and according to the left, and you are fomenting violence in the country. You, you can't remember this. This still goes on. You can't say that the 2020 election was stolen. You can't write hashtag stop the steal on your social media posts because you're an election denier. You're an election denier. You need to be quiet. They want to prosecute that because you're creating unrest by saying that the election was stolen in 2020 and, I might add, 2022. If you resist LGBTQ whatever, on and on and on it goes. I don't even know why I say that stupid acronym. It's so ridiculous. But if you resist that or you resist drag queen story hour at the libraries, if you protest that, you're a hater. You cause violence. Your speech is violence. Your dissent is violence. If you show up to protest or speak at board of ed meetings, you're a terrorist. You need to be prosecuted. They'll sick the FBI on you. And they have done that. They have done that on parents that have showed up at board of ed meetings. Why? Again, because they just want us to be quiet. Stop saying the truth. If you question COVID policy, if you question the, question the efficacy of masks or vaccines or suggest that vaccines have debilitating side effects and are the, the, the COVID vaccine, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but the COVID vaccine. If you suggest that that has debilitating side effects and wasn't necessary, you have to be quiet. Silence dissent. Silence opposition. Because there is power in speaking the truth. And we see that all through history, and we see it. The, the, the epitome, obviously, is Jesus Christ himself. Because what, they ended up crucifying him, killing him, because they just couldn't get him to be quiet. He kept speaking the what? The truth. Kept speaking, relentless in his proclamation of the truth, the good news to the poor, rebuke to the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the political leaders, calling out their sin and hypocrisy for what it was in unvarnished, clear, respectful, but clear terms. And they got so angry, fine, gnashing their teeth, tearing their clothes, throwing dust on their heads. And finally, the day, they raged and they killed him because it was the only way they could get him to be quiet. Now, obviously, he rose from the dead and still speaks through his word and is very much alive. But that is my point. And that's what Satan did in the garden was shut down the truth. Defy God's speech. And one of the quintessential historic examples is Martin Luther at the Diet of Worms, who is our Protestant forebear. We carry this heritage and this legacy as conservatives, as Christians, as Protestants, if you are a Protestant. But this, 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 is, this epitomizes the idea of dissent for all of us who are conservatives, who voice dissent against the lies and the prevalent, prevailing cultural narrative and the cultural suicide and downward spiral we're heading in. This, is the, this epitomizes dissent, which is in our core, in our heritage as Americans. We grew out of the Protestant Reformation. Luther was one of the sparks of that. At the Diet of Worms, he was brought before the Pope and the, uh, the Catholic magistrates, magisterium, I guess is the word, all the high Catholic leaders in Rome. And this was on the question of whether or not he would renounce these quote-unquote errors of which he was accused. And when he was asked that in public, Luther answered that he would need a day to consider the matter and give a full answer. So they granted him a day to go back and think about it. So 
when Luther comes back the next day, was he prepared to recant or no? That was the question before the Pope. And Luther replies thus, as apparently history tells us, your imperial majesty and your lordships demand a simple answer. Here it is, plain and unvarnished. Unless I am convicted, convinced of error by the testimony of scripture, or since I put no trust in the unsupported authority of popes or councils, since it is plain that they have often erred and often contradicted themselves. That was a little uh, side, side slap at the papacy. Unless I am convinced of error by the testimony of scripture or by manifest reasoning, I stand convinced by the scriptures to which I have appealed, and my conscience is taken captive by God's word. Famous line there. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to act against our conscience is neither safe for us nor open to us. On this I take my stand. I can do no other. God help me. And there it is. And he left, and then they chased him down for the rest of his life. Never got him. But they wanted him to shut up, and Luther said, no, I'm not shutting up. And we can't. That's all they want us to do is shut up. And one of the ways they do it is these ridiculous narratives. They want us to shut up on pro-life, even in, especially in light of the Dobbs decision. But the point I'm making right now is we need to double down. We need to double down all the more and say, no, we are going to be very loud and vocal on these issues even as they're trying their next tactic of destroying marriage with this stupid Respect for Marriage Act that they're trying to pass in Congress, which is supposed to be an answer to and a repeal of and a reversal of the Defense of Marriage Act, which actually, uh, oddly enough, Bill Clinton passed in the 90s for political purposes to try and ingratiate himself in some way with the conservative right. The Defense of Marriage Act was a defense of traditional marriage. They're trying to reverse that. We need to stand loud and clear on these issues. Now, here's the article from David Harsanyi. This is from creators.com about the fact that there's little evidence abortion hurt Republicans. By any measure, Democrats exceeded expectations this midterm. Though listening to the triumphalism today, you'd think Joe Biden was Hannibal at Canny. That's a city in Italy. A fractured Republican Party has won the House, which means the agenda portion of Biden's first term is effectively over, save his executive abuse. As expected, though, the lazy Dobbs sunk the GOP narrative quickly solidified on the left. Quote, it turns out women enjoy having human rights and we vote, Hillary Clinton tweeted. Democratic cheerleader Joe Scarborough called it a, quote, massive backlash over Dobbs. It will take a while to sort out exactly why Republicans did so much worse than expected, writes Michelle Goldberg in the New York Times. But there seems little question that abortion was a big part of the story. Again, this is totally false. This is not true at all. But they're spinning out this big yarn that we lost because we were so pro-life and because of the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade. David goes on. Listen, if anyone had told conservatives 30 or 20 or even a year ago that the political price for overturning Roe v. Wade would mean taking back only one chamber of Congress in the subsequent midterm, they would never have believed you. So, excuse me, even if the left's tenuous claim that Dobbs saved them in 2022 is to be believed, the price for ridding the nation of the legal and moral abomination of Roe would be well worth it. Amen. 
His point is, even if this narrative is true that it cost us the midterms, we still won one house, a majority in one house, and got to overturn Roe v. Wade. Well worth it. But, he continues, it is a tenuous contention. It's humorous that Goldberg begins her piece lamenting how she was hoodwinked into believing in a red wave by right-wing pre-election wishcasting. A, politi- a political morning consult poll, she notes, had warned us that 48% of respondents intended to vote for Democrats for Congress and only 43% for Republicans, but the GOP ended up winning the irrelevant popular vote this week. Political morning consult was wrong. In other words, we did better in the popular vote than even the polls were telling us. Better, did you hear that? Better in the popular vote than even the polls were telling us. Remember that figure, we won the popular vote by like 6.6 million more votes than the Democrats. So where is this majority outcry against the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade when the Republicans, when you add up the totals, had 6 million more votes in the midterms? David continues, it doesn't seem like an, ang- an army of enraged women and young people flooded the polls to exact revenge on the court. Doesn't seem that way at all. If CNN's exit polls are to be believed, Democrats lost support among women in 2022 compared to the last midterm in 2018. The Associated Press Fox News exit poll found that 52% of voters were women in 2018 and 52% of all voters in 2022 were women. It is a myth that young people came out in droves. Democrats lost support among younger voters as well. So the numbers in the voting does not support this silly narrative intended to intimidate us, silence us, and make us retreat from pro-life, which is what the establishment Republicans want us to do. This silly narrative that we lost over the pro-life issue, it doesn't fit the numbers. Beyond that, Goldberg's column offers not a single piece of tangible statistical evidence to back up the theory that Dobbs played a, quote, big or even a minor part in the GOP's 2022 underperformance. Now, it's true that pro-lifers lost abortion referendums, including, incomprehensibly, one in Montana that would have compelled medical care for infants born alive. It's also true that numerous Republican candidates are either unable or frightened to articulate coherent pro-life views. These are problems for Republicans. On the other hand, now listen to this, defying this narrative that we lost because of pro-life. Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott, and Brian Kemp, Brian Kemp in a state where the Senate race is in a runoff, all signed heartbeat bills. That's Ron, governor of Florida, Greg, governor of Texas, Brian, governor of Georgia. They all signed heartbeat bills and easily won re-election. John Fetterman might have beaten a dubious carpetbagging conservative in Dr. Oz, but pro-life Republicans J.D. Vance and Mike Lee in Ohio and Utah, respectively, had no problem winning. Notice that every Republican loss is chalked up to abortion by the media, but the reverse is not. Yeah, when the Democrats lose, it's never because they're out of their mind, murderous pro-choicers. In Iowa, Cindy Axney, an incumbent who made abortion the issue of her candidacy, the main issue, pledging to pass a national bill legalizing abortion from conception to birth, she was beaten by a strongly pro-life Zach Nunn. In Virginia, incumbent Elaine Luria, who ran endless commercials on the abortion issue, fell to pro-life nurse practitioner Jen Kiggins. So the Democrats were losing Across the fruited plain is his point on the abortion issue. None of this is to contend that there aren't people moved on the abortion issue. It mattered in 2020 and 2018 as well. Unmarried women might now be Democrats' most reliable demographic, but they were already headed in that direction. 
nor is it to say Republicans are winning the issue nationally. Conversely, we have no idea what the 2022 midterm environment would have looked like had the Supreme Court let Roe stand. It's a great point. What if they let Roe stand? What, if that, what would that have done to the electorate? It may well have depressed social conservative turnout. Elections are complicated and regionally unique, but there is little evidence that Dobbs produced a political earthquake or even that it changed very much at all. David Harsanyi is a senior editor at The Federalist, nationally syndicated columnist, author of conservative books. So the point is, this is hype. And I tell you all the time, don't believe the hype. Let justice roll down like waters, America, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Don't believe the hype out there. We're supposed to walk away from November like duly instructed, meek-beaten little school children by their nanny teacher who told them, see, now you know. Now you learned your lesson. Because you passed the Dobbs decision and supported pro-life so loudly and vocally, you lost the elections. And you better be quiet now and get on board with pro-choice or you're going to keep losing. And they say it to silence us and make us retreat. And we need to do exactly what Luther did. Double down time and time again. You know what is funny? Who else is good at that? Doubling down constantly on what he knows is right. Oh, that's right. Donald J. Trump. See you tomorrow.